Hello and welcome to The Dive, Season 7, Episode 16. We are here bright and early. And I got scolded right before this, so yeah, now I'm going to be a little salty. Pouty. Yeah, I'm going to pout the rest of this episode. I got scolded. We were trying to talk about either some game. We were talking about Baldur's show. Gate 3. We were debating the dev cycle of Baldur's Gate 3. I was complaining that it's been three years since I paid for the game and I haven't played it yet. And I said, great, and now it's perfect when I play it. So thank you for your contribution. I didn't get suckered into that. I knew I was like, this is going to take a long time. Every, I feel like early access. The, early access is a scam. The meta of early access is terrible. So trash. You know what? It's I, I treat, and where I was going with this was I treated Cyberpunk 2077 as this whole time being early access. Now the first DLC comes out, <laughs> the game's ready to play. And that's actually sounds about right with yeah. how terrible that game was on launch. So anyways, welcome to the dive. We also had another dive cast. Think it went great. Good job. Boom. We killed it. And Boom. it's not early access. My favorite full release. It, it, it is actually early access. No, no, <laughs> the dive cast release. is not uh, it's being baked a little bit more. Needs a little bit more bugs to my, carry. My favorite part of it is right at the beginning. Mark tries to coin a professional League of Legends play, titled as the Butt Rush, and then he just specifically Nautilus Butt Rush. He yeah. keeps talking for like. A minute, two a minutes minute, yeah. straight after was, that, oh my hoping, God. hoping that we'll just let it go. But I'm like, there's no, no way. I'm no, not, I'm I'm not, I don't care what you're saying. There's no way I'm not bringing this back. You up. can't just butt rush past calling something the butt rush. <laughs> okay, I was there's not no trying way. to get. I wasn't trying to get past it. I was trying to make the actual point because I see this all the time, uh, and it tilts the, the shit out of me as a coach to see other coaches not prep their team. See people butt rushing with not less butt rush, <laughs> and I've been calling it the butt rush for years since like the the hooky like fastest first blood or whatever the one was. Maybe it's already called the core JJ welcome to NA that was the famous one the first one it w and everybody was fine with that no the first the, they, fa the famous one was the uh, the fastest first blood ever from CLG no no no, no. the famous one was core JJ well see to the fact that we can't agree <laughs> I, I submit the proposal for Nautilus butt rush Okay. Anyways. I will say butt rush is funnier, so people are probably gonna say that more. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, yeah, I. Anytime people vacate mid verse it, I hate. And they're like, "Yeah, look, I didn't lose my flash mid," and then they continue to go into your jungle, and then your jungle loses it or someone dies, and you're like, "You can't." Do, it's this play has been in the this play has been in the playbook for years, and I'm like, how do we still not defend this correctly? So that's why I was tilted, and that's yeah. why I like I powered through. It's because it's I'm just like so tilted. Well, yeah, it's funny because you're screaming the whole time, so you look like you were just trying to. I was just like, it was because I was rage. I was just like, God <laughs> damn, I hate seeing people do this play incorrectly. I, I I will say it's been really fun seeing all the crazy level ones. I talked to a few different pros who told me that. Uh, it's kind of what scrims are these days now is that everyone's just getting hyper aggressive at level one and feeling like I don't know if it's it's a reaction to people thought that teams got lazy around level ones and that there's more ability to punish them or what it's actually prompting it but it, there's so much more proactivity at level one now that 5v5 red buff that we saw between TL and was it TL Golden Guardians? I can't remember but there was like a, a it was an EG game because they lost the game I think it's EG oh, GG oh yes 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 excuse me it was EG yeah because it was Armeo uh, going for the smite and um, I still have Armeo like associated with TL in my head because he was he was with their academy team for so long but um, they had like full and 5v5 where both top laners came down like that literally looked like a scrim to me I've never seen that on stage in a stage game but there's been a lot of fun level ones yeah I feel like uh, ever since the Scion invade level one meta, mm, yeah. everybody's way more open to it. So like we start to see a lot more of those creative things. I, I remember the mid rush 
I brought it up in the cast. I was like, oh, they're probably doing this because they just changed mid laners, you know, and they had just, I forget even if it was <laughs> Sparax or if it was the, the, the reinsertion. Vickla was back in. Okay, so it was Vickla's yeah. first one back in. They're like, all right, they're having mid problems. Let's tilt him. They're switching people up. And I was like, that's smart. You know, you have all these different. He was out of early access. He was, in, <laughs> he was into the beta. By the way, I think this is its own funny story in itself, how FlyQuest were like, oh, man. Vikla's just, what's wrong with him? He was so good. He was like in Korea, we, he's not performing in NA. And someone was like, you know what? Let's just sub him out for one game. We'll unplug and then plug him yeah, back in. Yeah, you got power cycle him. And then, oh, he works again. <laughs> I swear, that's how you fix like 90% of problems with technology is just power cycle it yeah. once. It's probably okay. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Yeah. And that, that's what they did. That whole thing, though, on the reel was so troll. Like their whole announcement, they're like, oh, this was pre planned when they came out. I'm like, this was not pre-planned. You made a whole announcement video that Spyrex was coming in. I, like, yeah, they said he's coming in versus NRG, but if it was pre-planned, why were you not just saying Vic will be back tomorrow? We're doing one game. Like, I, I just made it seem so unbelievable that if Spyrex came in and goes APA mode and they just slam their first game that he's coming out. I don't believe it. And the most unbelievable part to me is in the second one. They say the reason why he was put in in the first place for, for one game is because he was doing so well in Academy and just deserved the opportunity. No, you don't do that make-a-wish stuff when your playoffs is on the line. Yeah, yeah. it was like You're the most like, important oh, game. You deserve this, so have a good time in LCS. No, th that was the most critical game that they could have, and they lost. Yeah, and like I tweeted, like, why would you possibly not just, like, if it was a one-game plan, like you said, why not do it? And Parth replied and was like, oh, well, maybe it's like competitive reason, you know, like, you don't want to tell them who's going to be playing, and I'm like, I don't think people need oh, to prep that break. hard versus like Vikla versus Spyrax, and they're going to get the the document either way. You know, yeah. like you, you're going to change your bands a little bit, you know, maybe your prior maybe. list, but like it's not that big of a deal, and it's way worse to to do this. And like, I am firmly in conspiracy theory tinfoil hat land that like this was a management decision to shake things up, and that's why you see Papa and you know Nick doing it, and then some players probably were not happy about that, and were like, Yo, give me my mid back. I would bet, I would bet money that that's what happened. Um, we need an investigative report. We'll we'll ask someone on the team later. But I would I would I've been in situations where management decides like let's do it. a thing, and then the team is like we don't like that thing. Change it back now. Yeah, uh, and that's that's probably or they're like oh we lost. Yeah, or they were just like that wasn't worth it. <laughs> Simple. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's obviously they're going to be under a lot of of pressure, right? Because this team did invest a lot, not only in their roster, uh, but they were going pretty big on content. You know, they hired Ovly, they got LS sponsored, and all this sort of stuff. Like they obviously thought they were going to have a really great split. And wanted to push it. They do their whole music video, which is obviously very funny now. FlyQuest Summer is not looking <laughs> so fun. I bet they're having a great time. They're, they're at the beach. To be fair, we also thought they were going to have a yeah. good split. I'm not. Yeah, I thought they were going to be great. I thought they were going to be top two, pretty much guaranteed. Uh, and I'm pretty good second. But I thought, hey, if this team really clicks, if Fickle has a good split, I remember saying in the Power Rankings episode, they could win the whole thing. He didn't have a great split, but they still are miles, 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 miles worse than I thought they were going to be. And now we're going into week six. And they are pretty screwed. Like, they're two games back with three games to go, and they have uh, lost the tiebreaker, the head to head against 100 Thieves. So, like, there's very few situations now where they can actually they're get through. They're severely screwed. Their, their last game is also against C9. So, yep. even if they. And TSM, who's on his hair, they have to play, I think, as well. Yeah, it's not an easy strength to schedule. I think it's one other, like, uh, playoff bound team, maybe Energy. But, like, um, 
they're they're basically dead in the water. Like you need one of these insane parlays where it's like we three zero and the other person doesn't three zero. They go zero three or at best one and two if it's dignitas. If it's hundred or like a three way tie or something. Yeah, yeah. There's like a couple scenarios, but they're all these kinds of insano like we three zero, they zero three. This other thing happens. So, yeah, most likely playoffs are. Actually, Immortals has an easier chance. They have an easier strength of schedule, and they have better tiebreaker scenarios. I think actually, actually available for them. So it's more likely that, and I think they play hundred digging hundred thieves play directly. So one of those teams is going to pick up at least one loss to be in the the parlay bet. But yeah, it's a uh, it's an outside shot for a nine and ten to, to do anything. Yeah, yeah, it's incredibly unlikely. Um, so do we want to just jump into the teams? I'm down. Final yeah. week unless, of the regular season. Unless you want to talk about this Champion little interview with Froxon talking about how, for a long time, especially people complaining about patch changes is where you see this come up. It's the, for one, their it's main. the one tricks, yeah, exactly. It's, it's people complaining about patch changes for their main, mm. and they're like, whoa, no, why are you nerfing my 55% win rate Shaco or something, for example, um, when, oh, the win rates are inflated just because... Only people who main Shaco play main play Shaco. So a disproportionate amount of the player base has hundreds of games. My champion like is that. no peach. Right? Just that I'm so incredibly skilled, and everyone else who plays this champion is so incredibly skilled. Exactly. So it should be 58 percent win rate. <laughs> Only the most classy of League of Legends players <laughs> play this champion. Um, Basically, he just uh, uh, Froxon, by the way, is a designer. We've had him on the show before. Uh, he did an interview where he was talking about over the course of one and a half to two years, he's been compiling this data that shows that there, the balance from the one-trick ponies, basically, uh, of higher win rates, which is true, um, is, is completely balanced by a bunch of noobs playing the champion. Mm -hmm. uh, and so there's no meaningful increase in win rate, except for Katarina. Which is 0.4 percent higher. Damn. Yep. Because of all the Data Katarina is mains. ruined. But Katarina mains—they're the ones who win. You know, they're actually the classy League of Legends players. <laughs> they are the true. <laughs> I, I feel like people just always underestimate the amount of like. I don't want to say bad players, but like normal players playing the yeah, game. So nor that's like, better. Yeah, like oh yeah, of course. Like the the diamond Katarina main probably does have better win rates specifically, but then. You know that's the point one percent of the player base. You have the other ninety nine point nine nine percent of the player base who is not even even if they know their champions well, they don't know the rest of the game well enough to like exploit it correctly. Yeah. So it, it doesn't matter if you're a one trick at one champion if you're in, when you're playing in gold. And there's just way more gold one trick Katarina's than actually high high elo ones. And I, I would honestly say that it's like you know you mentioned a gold one trick or a diamond one trick. It's like those people generally. Don't have a higher than fifty percent win rate. Like those people are are in that elo because they can't climb, right? Because they they lose half their games and they get to the elo that they kind of belong in, and then they're stuck there, right? It's like it generally like the one tricks that have a ton of games and really high win rate are only the like challenger players. You know what I mean? Who can like because basically everyone in challenger is like you know a high, much higher win rate usually. Um, that's just like the nature of actually climbing to the very top of the ladder. It was it was really fun. I did an, Are you smarter than? And I did like a bronze question about like what's the highest win rates in bronze. And I was like, when I was pulling the data, I was like, this can't be right. The highest win rate champs fifty two percent. And I was like, I'm in bronze. Yeah. Because <laughs> like just the win rates are, are so much lower. And it just took me a second to calibrate. I'm like, how are there only six champs with a positive win rate in bronze? It's like if you look up challenger win rates, which is just 
a garbage data set anyway, but I've had people reference this as like, you know, you should only look at the challenges because it's just, there's not enough games, I right? Mean, the data set is just too small. Exactly. There's not enough data points. Um, and and then they'll all be like turbo high win rate, right? It's all because fifty eight percent win rate chance. Exactly because it's like challenger players don't only play against challenger players, and those are the best players on the ladder, right? So they're also playing against grandmaster players and yeah. some of the top diamond players. I, it's and it's a gradient; it goes all the way down. Yep. Like you're referencing diamond players, the diamond win rates are all higher than plat win rates as well. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yep. Um, but it, it is interesting data to know, right? And it's it's one of those things that it's like I appreciate that he he did this because it is something that is talked about constantly. In, in the community, anytime there's a nerf, especially for a more niche champion that isn't as like you know widely popular like a Shaco or a Katarina mm-hmm. or whatever, um, so you know it's definitely good that they have that data and that they're looking into it. All right, so let's. Do you want to start top to bottom, or how do you want to do this? Uh, what if we went bottom to top? What if we were crazy? Sure. Yeah, let's start at the butt and then rush to the top. <laughs> okay. Well, why are you trying to rush past the butt? I'm down. To, I'm down to linger. Okay. At the, bo- at the it's booty. It's not a butt rush. It's a, <laughs> a booty linger. <laughs> a butt linger. Um, Immortals popping off two and one in their last week. Maybe a little bit too little, too late. But uh, tactical, having a good season. Unironically, I was when I'm on my cast. I was trolling a lot and messing with you as hell. I do think he's been. Good. That Again, Mark's completely serious analysis, by the way. Somewhat, but I am being serious now. I think he's been good this season. Good doesn't mean even <laughs> all pro. It doesn't necessarily define mean, good. Good is like is that top five? I think he deserves an LCS spot. Like he he played well enough that I hope to see him in the league. So he's next a top year. ten top ten LCS. It, explain carry. good in a more interesting <laughs> way than just good. Like what he was he good at? Okay, I think tactical has. Been the only person that they can play around. Balulu's too inconsistent in lane unless it's on like his hyper specific champs. Solo's a weak side player. Kenvi is really struggling in the jungle. And I'll be honest, I like treats a lot, but he hasn't been great. Like you watch some of his rel plays and stuff and his engages, and they're they're not Especially it. Especially early, he hit some really bad games. Yeah, so like I, I like treats a lot, and you know, they, they seem to work well generally, but like he's not like piss smurfing and it's like, oh my god, yeah. treats is great. And in this situation, I still see tactical able to win them games, have good lane phases, have good team fights, and he's not getting much help. And I could see in a world, for example, when you're saying like what makes him what, what would be good for him. It's like on a better team, they could be like he could be on NRG, you know, and like maybe he's coin flippy and would lose you some games sometimes, but I also think he has these high highs where like, yeah, you could slot him into a couple of these teams above him and he wouldn't hurt their chances. He's like the only real win condition for the team. Yeah. I agree with that. For me it's specifically been the his team fighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that you can see the confidence that he's playing with in these team fights and mm-hmm. its positioning. Um, there obviously have been a lot of bad games for Immortals, but I definitely agree that he has had a lot more really good tactical games that you remember back to like the TL tactical time, you know, when he was first coming up with Core JJ and stuff. Better than his what TSM was the last team he played yeah. on. Like the TSM days were not were not good. Um, so when he was on Immortals, I was like, oh tactical's back. But it, it's also well. hard to look good on a bad team like generally for 80 carries if you aren't really doing well individually and having i mean you have to have highlight moments right because if you don't have highlight moments uh, generally you know your, your game is gonna be a product of how your team is team fighting and when you lose almost all your games you won't lose almost all your team fights and you know it, it can look really really bad um similarly you know an 80 carry who's maybe middle of the road but on the best team can look much better mm-hmm. than they actually are you know when you're winning every team fight and you're just kind of like a moving to victory specifically 
people peeling for you and soaking skill shots. Mm -hmm. This is my biggest pet peeve is like everybody turbo flames the AD carry after you got shot with an arrow or something. And everyone's like, oh my God, he did move out of the way. And I was like, there was a Nautilus right in front of him two seconds before. What happened there? And he probably thought his teammate was going to soak the arrow or something like that. You know. Well, speaking of the Nautilus stuff, the, that that play, the bot dive where Kenvi stuns a minion into the wall instead of the champion, oh they, they give a double God. kill back. It's like that should have been for any other team a game-ending play where you kill the AD carry and then you redive onto the Nautilus and you kill the bot lane as the wave crashes and they're like so far. Like we've seen so many games end at that moment in time, but because it's Immortals, they hand a double kill back over and it just. Becomes crazy. There was, there's actually, just in this last week, I can think of two dives where Tyler got super griefed in bot lane. There's the one where, yeah, can be, can be wall stunned a minion into the wall instead of the player on Poppy. And then there was uh, another game where I believe it was um, treats on Rel tried to, did like a flash engage. He pulled aggro and then he flashed forward to do the crash down, but he went too far, so he got out of tur aggro range and it went on to tactical and tactical died. <laughs> and it was like should have been an absolutely free dive. And so it's like that's just in one week, and right? And that is yeah. those are examples where it's you see other teams uh, get into a winning position through bot. And the game can just be completely over, right? Mm -hmm. Like where you get completely zoned off, you're so far behind, and it's just like, all right, it's a done deal. By the way, I highly recommend everybody bind the target champions only key. It's very, very helpful. I put it on my mouse even. You, as long as you remember to turn it off afterwards, especially if you're a jungler, so you don't like, you aren't unable to smite Baron or something in target target jungle camps. Uh, that's an easy easy solve for tower dives. Well, for tower dives like are that. the big one when do they're hiding behind the turret. Or do you like hold it down? I use it as toggle, so that's why I I yeah, specifically yeah. emphasize the remember to turn it off afterwards. Yeah. Because when I first started doing it, I did have some of those moments where you know you I I couldn't it. smite a jungle camp or something. <laughs> it never happened on Baron like it did to Yankos, um, but it, it I was like oh I know exactly what happened because you know. I've gone back to Raptors or something yeah, and, and yeah, been yeah. like, wait a second, what's going on here? <laughs> or one time it happened These when I couldn't... Raptors are so evasive. <laughs> I couldn't click on the lantern to get me out. And I was oh, like, oh shit, God. because I turned it on to go into the skirmish and then like, you know, I needed to get back out and we were still in it. And yeah, you yeah. have to be able to turn it. So That's... keep that in mind as well. Like you cannot target champions only, but you can target champions only. That's so. why I've always used it as just like a hold down. I just use tilde. So mm -hmm. I just like hold tilde. You know, it's like the, the thing that was the most useful for me is always when people go behind the, the, the tower because yeah. it's so hard to click on them otherwise. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely yeah. super useful. I use it on fiddlesticks a lot too for a long time when, because a lot of times you'll ult into a bunch of minions and they get feared and they can like move over. Uh, the champion or something to try and get your Q. Your Q, yeah, it gets yeah. really griefed. That makes a lot of sense. Um, anything else to say on Immortals? Um, I mean, they've been... I don't know. I mean, I, I will say I, they've been more enjoyable to watch these last couple weeks for me than the, than the early stages where I felt like Bolulu was kind of trying to be a bit of a meta slave and just spamming Annie and stuff in yeah. the early weeks. When he was playing meta, it just looked so bad, man. Um, so I'm, I'm glad they're doing a little bit more kind of experimentation. Obviously, APA is having success with Ziggs. Bolu did a Ziggs game. He did a Vagar game. He got some Velkaz games in there. Like, he's doing some more different stuff. I, w I would always rather see teams that are struggling play something different, man. Do Give me a reason to want to watch your team. Because when, when teams are just piloting the meta, but worse than everyone else in the league, there's no reason to be a fan of your team. Like, there just isn't. Yeah, I don't know if we said this 
during the last episode or, <laughs> or if it was one of the previous episodes, but I brought up the idea before where like the bottom two teams in the LCS should always be just playing crazy champions, you know? They should be trying new stuff, they should be letting people play one tricks, they should be encouraging people to become weird champion players. Yeah, I mean, the, the Rich Alawi, as another example, I mean, they're not bottom two, but uh, I, I think they hit a mo like a level where they're just like, screw it. Because even after their, their games, they were like, no matter what happens after this game, we want to do the triathlon. <laughs> Balulu and Solo were like, we want to make a bed, we want to do this stuff. Yeah. They like theory crafted it and things, so like, they seem to be having fun at this point in the season, which like, yeah. that's good. I, I mean, I they're tied with Quest, they're also basically out of playoffs, it's yeah. very hard for them too. I, I feel like sometimes fans want like this like, self like, oh no, we're so bad, we can't have fun because we're like lower in the standings, but I'd rather have a team be like, ah, screw Screw it, you know we're probably not making worlds right now. Like let's just like yeah. next year go next fast and have, also, have fun. Also, if if you act like that, I actually feel like it's a thousand times worse. Your results are going to be worse if everyone's just Constantly super depressed yeah. and like you're super stressed and you're always pressuring each other. It's like, yeah, like you you have to still put in put in effort and know when to be serious and don't go too far the other way. But like having having some fun, being able to laugh, being able to enjoy the games that you're playing is actually an important part to being able to maintain a high level performance over a long period of time. Especially Especially when your team sucks, because that can get depressing really, really, really fast. Yeah, uh, we already touched on FlyQuest a little bit, but we can talk maybe a bit more specifically about them. Um, you know, they did do the Spyrax uh, test; they got one win this week, I believe it was, right? So yeah, it was right we, after. Yeah, they with, brought, uh, when with they came back in. Vikla. Um, but <laughs> you know, di did you think that Vikla actually played noticeably better, or was just like an arbitrary win? The the game fresh off of coming back, I actually did think so. Mm -hmm. The Jace, yeah, uh, because. Yeah, I mean, they, they ran down, they burned his flash early. I was like, whoa, this is going to be really bad for mid lane. You know, they already obviously have some mid lane issues going on. They were splitting scrims time, and he's now Jace with no flash in mid. He's going to get targeted a bunch, but he, he played it well. He had a good, uh, good poke damage, good damage output, so... Yeah, it doesn't seem like they fixed all their problems, but they look better this week. It's just it's kind of similar to Immortals. It's just too, too little, too late. Yeah, it's like, what are you going to do? You, you drop that one game versus NRG to open the week, and then it was basically doomed from there. Yeah, they, they lost NRG, they beat uh, EG, it, and then they lost two. Uh, it was TL. so funny to me that the one that they won was the one where Spica called EG frauds, and then they were like, boom, look, they're frauds. Well, I've <laughs> and everyone's beating EG now, too. Yeah, so FlyQuest may be like super screwed. They're probably out of playoffs. frauds themselves. They may be at the bottom, but at least they called out EG. <laughs> and, they, and then they would beat them. And EG can feel real bad about that when they go into playoffs. Yeah, when they, <laughs> when they, when they end their, their last, last round robin on like a s six out of seven losses, you know. They and still have double the wins in five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, you're right. It will be double. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's like the EG game was good, and I, and I do think Fickler definitely played better, but it's also one of these things where I'm just like, I remember when I was watching that game, and I'm just like, "Damn, what is he, what is EG doing?" I will say that is the trollest bot fight I've seen picked in a long time, where they literally just did dragon. You know he's there. Your bot lane lost summons in an earlier trade, so you're down summoners. You know it's a three v three, and you pick the fight anyways. It is like the worst decision I've ever seen made. It gets turned around. They basically lose perma prio bottom, and then Vulcan just sits mid the entire game. Like so like five minutes straight, he was. That's mid. literally yeah. something people get chat restricted for, like flaming their teammates after that. They're like, Dragon Global Noise just went off. Okay, like you know they're there. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be so tough if I was Joe. I was like, great. So I just have to lane versus a, a Nautilus now too. It's two v one mid the whole game, and. 
it's like, did FlyQuest really do anything that great to win that game? You know, it's like looking at, did you make a great player and we make a big boo-boo? It's really more in the latter category. So I, it didn't really actually give me that much confidence for FlyQuest. Mm. At the time, I felt like, oh, wow, they are being way more proactive, specifically because Spica was like, boom, bottom, boom, top, boom, mm. bottom again. And so I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, hope, but Vulcan, I'm a kind of glass half full type of. Vulcan and, and Spica, I think, did do a good job after after EG trolled, after EG trolled the bot stuff. Um, but they just went mid over and over and over and over and over and over. It was like ridiculous, and it is starting to feel a little bit like uh, a lot of people have said. Where you know, when I talked to some pros earlier, and obviously, like I think it was Double of kind of called the EG frauds. Uh, Speaker did on the dive, and I talked to some pros earlier in the in the season, and people were just basically saying, "Yeah, EG's gonna fall off because there's no way that JoJo can keep carrying them this hard." And I was like, "Well, I think EG looks pretty good. You know, I think yeah. the other people are doing pretty well." Um, but it is starting to feel that way because people are just throwing so many mid pans and then sending everything mid over and over and over. And it feels like no one's behind JoJo. Like even in this game, I'm like, okay, yeah, bot went bad, but Armeo was late to every single play mid. I'm just like, man, if your mid laner is cl clowning on the other mid laner, if, he, if he's slamming him in a 1v1, you just gotta stand behind this guy, give him some wards, or be there to counter gank, like take the 2v2 and win it, and he can really run away with the game. But there were so many circumstances, it feels like over this, uh, what is it, four game losing streak, I think that EG have now. Yeah. Um, where it's just every game, go mid. Everyone's just doing the same thing. Just pr every, everything to stop JoJo. And no one else is really getting anything done. So it feels like I am losing a lot of hope for EG as far as their playoff uh, playoff hopes are concerned. Damn, you hate FlyQuest so much that you took the game there to just start talking about EG instead. True. What a hater. Yep. To finish off with FlyQuest, they're doomed. <laughs> On to Dignitas. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you have more, I don't know. What, nope. Okay, good enough. Uh, Dig versus Hundred Thieves. Who who do you want to talk about first? Dignitas. All right, Dignitas. Because on the graphic that we have in here, they're lower. They're lower, and they also, are probably worse. Right also, now. they're more. Uh, to me, it's still like e even losing games. They're so f they're still really fun for me to watch. Um, you know, even even if they pick Alawi and Alawi just get is turbo useless and he's just racking up like six deaths super quick. I mean, that I don't game care, was man. horrible. I don't care. At least, <laughs> at least he's on Alawi. At least they they are a team that is one of these teams leaning into the philosophy we talked about, where let's play to what the players really feel their strengths are. And Rich clearly, you know, wants to have these these counterpick matchups to dominate topside, the Gwyn, the Alawi, all these types of things. And it did they did find success for for a while there. So I I still really like watching them play, especially because Tomo had some really big standout fights. Now in a, in a lot of the losses, it, it's definitely like worked, looked a lot worse, but. You know that this team does have higher highs and, and can have these bright spots, so it makes the games exciting. Plus, they have the highest combined kills per minute of any of the teams, so it's always action-packed, so it's always fun. That's true. I mean, Ding Toss of days old would just slow lose games, maybe make one play, doesn't yeah, work. Not not the new dig. Not the new dig. They brought Puma in as well this week. Uh, didn't didn't turn anything around. I think Diamond was struggling. I understand why they, they maybe tried to make the move. Um, I don't know behind the scenes how important Diamond is for like shot calling and stuff. Um, 
because he had been playing with Tomo for a long period of time, and they, they clearly lost that synergy with Poom coming in, and it didn't seem to actually change anything. And yeah. like in my head, this team makes sense where you have Rich, this crazy topside guy who gets resources in the draft and game to like get him ahead. Jensen's safe farming mid. Bot lane is just kind of like scaling up, and like it could work, but like none of the pieces are working well enough. It feels like to actually pick, consistently pick up wins. Yeah, I mean, they went 0-3 this weekend since they swapped in Poom. Uh, I would have to really think about it, I guess, to be more fair, but my gut reaction was they just looked worse, right, with Poom. You know, I do think the bot lane as a whole kind of looked worse. It could just be a bad game because um, it was definitely not only about the bot lane. Like, the Kassante game this weekend was horrible. He got solo killed. Uh, or, sorry, it wasn't Kassante. It was Alawi into Kassante. He got solo killed by the Kassante, what, yeah. two, two, three times in a row, top lane, in the exact same way? Well, the turret helped. It's not a solo kill, but the turret <laughs> yeah, helps. True. true. It's, it's 2v1. It got ganked by the tower. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was so funny, too, because it was uh, that was the game I cast with you, Mark. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, it's going to be awesome because Rich is such a Kassante guy that he's going to know exactly how that Kassante was that was what Flower said, to be fair, oh, not okay. me. He said that. Yeah. Well, it wasn't even anything wrong. No. It, so it wasn't like a flame, but anyway. So Flowers, I guess, said it. Yeah, like he knows exactly how Cassante works, so he's going to know exactly how to play the matchup. And then just like flash flash forward to like him getting, you know, solo kill flipped in the tower over and over and over in this counter pick matchup. Alawi doesn't do very many special things, okay? She can only really walk around she and goes, then bonk, bonk you on the head <laughs> every once in a while. So not a lot of fancy moves to outplay this. <laughs> Fancy champion Cassante's dashing oh, all over the place. Oh, oh, I got like 20 knockbacks. Release date gap. <laughs> I will say, though, I think it was you who said on the cast, too, is like, this is not a surprise. Like, since Cassante's release, Q3 into like W knockback into turret, all, you know, it's like, we've seen this. It's Gragas top. It's literally yeah. just Gragas top. And people are like, well, there is only two range minions, but maybe I could walk up and hit the tower. Yeah. And to your point, that was not Poom's fault. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> yeah. It was very much not To bring it full circle here for yeah. Tigatas. Diamond would have shot called it. They've, <laughs> they've been playing worse. Yes. Yeah. There was, there was definitely some some bad plays. Uh, how, how have you guys been feeling about Santorin? Because I feel like there's kind of been a lot of different discussion about him. Obviously, in spring, he had some good early games, more consistent early games, but then they would always just lose after nothing would happen. In summer, I felt like his his games in the early weeks weren't as strong, but then he started playing Poppy, started playing more of these supportive things. I felt like he was stringing together some pretty solid performances. But now it's just like, it's been so up and down that I'm not even really sure what to think anymore. You're a little dizzy now? Yeah, I am a little bit uh, dizzy. I agree. Yeah. Well, I was just saying I agree with that point that, like, yeah. at first it wasn't good, and then it was good. And, like, just when you're, like, gearing up and throwing some coal in the hype train, it's yeah. like... It breaks down again. Like you're again. like, I don't know what to say about you now, Santorin. Like, you're clearly not having your own like level that you measure yourself up to this split. But like, exactly how bad is it versus like, since he's such a supportive jungler that like on a failing team, I would expect him to look quite poor. Coal yeah. in your hype train. You need to upgrade to a bullet train or something, Mark. Like, oh, you're man. living in the past. I'm, I'm with power. I'm with my old <laughs> railroad magnets. <laughs> what? Jump on the the, the fancy new Cloud Nine magnate. one from the future. Ma no magnets. You know the high power. Yeah, I realized as I said, mag. That I think, it's I don't like know. you get on the train and there's just like a big high power. No, I meant, I meant at the like, end of the track and it pulls the train. I meant, towards I meant it. The, the guy in the super top hat magnet. No, 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 big magnets. No, <laughs> I, am I, how do you? Is it magnate? Early morning episodes delivering. I would here. think it'd be magnate. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. 
<clears throat> okay. Uh, well, well, how about Jensen? Because uh, Jensen is also, it's like, these are, this is supposed to be the core of the team that everyone expected when they came in in spring. They're like, oh, you got Jensen Santorin, you're going to win a lot of games. I feel similar to Jensen where he's had these so many of these up and down games. It also has been interesting to me that he's experimenting a little. It's not been, it's not <laughs> Mark been. Mark just Googled magnate, by the way. <laughs> and, magnate. Magnate. Yeah, magnate. There you go. I'm sorry. That's what, that's what I thought. Um, he has been experimenting a little bit. Uh, it's not, not not anything too crazy, but like for Jensen, Jensen never played physical damage mids pretty much, right? So mm-hmm. like he has a couple Jace games. He brought out the Tristana game for Jensen. That is pretty atypical. Like he only has a couple of these these types of champions played in his whole career. You were pretty hard on that. His Jace game was good. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't saying it was bad. I'm just oh, saying okay. it was new. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. It, it's just that like he had, he had never really played these. Let me pull up his career stats. <laughs> it's like he this is a mage only player basically. Yeah, yeah. throughout his career. Yeah. There's been plenty of times but, he has been a pro player. Yasuo has been meta and he has not played it. So well, do has, you remember the Lee Sin uh, meta? Oh no, he has ten Lucian games. <laughs> That's his most played physical damage uh, type champion. Um, and then below that, he has eight Yasuo games all time. He's got seven Lee Sin games. He has six Jace games all time, and he has two Triss games. And this is a guy who has like 700 games played. Uh, you know, what's his most played for content? 94 Ori, 60, <laughs> 63 Azir, 59 Syndra, 56 LeBlanc, 42 Casio, 35 Victor, and so on and so forth. Right? There's a massive amount of champions um, that have been way less meta than some of these physical damage dealers. He just doesn't play them. Like he has never played them. Right? But then he did. He did, and he did. He did, he did pretty <laughs> decent. Um, so it's just it's just interesting. Like clearly they're trying to experiment, and I'm just also struggling to even like evaluate what I think about Jensen because this team has just like they've had some really good games but they've had so many bad games too they're so up and down in kind of a weird way that it makes it hard i feel like to really get uh, a good kind of read on like what this team is there's so many different problems that they have that it's like okay what is actually the issue with this team are they all just kind of inconsistent and and like mid-level players are they actually like some really strong individuals but they're being held back by one or two bad players i am struggling to actually evaluate this team because it's just their games are weird man i'll tell you the truth Sure. They dropped off a little bit, and there's and the other new players aren't that great either. L plus he dropped off. Yeah, <laughs> that was the, their last weekend was three L's plus he dropped off. Yeah, yeah uh, Tomo I think has a future, you know, but he's still raw a little bit, and uh, he has a future. Yeah, he's got a future. I think they all, the have, they all have future. They all have yeah. a future. They're yeah. all future. Well, all God, you guys are coaches. trying to gaslight me to this. It's like not a, t- a way that people talk about sports. <laughs> no, like, you've it. never heard that phrase ever in a sports talk. Where like, yeah, he's got a future, I think, still, but yeah. blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I think uh, there's players who could still develop. There's like, it's like, you know, you're trying to like line up these curves where it's like this younger player is peaking while this like older player is still good. Their curves are off, man. Like These guys haven't fully gone up yet, and the the, the, the your veterans have gone downhill, so mm-hmm. that's, that's where I think it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, San, Santorin and Jensen still obviously have some very good games left in them. Not every game is mm-hmm. what, what about is Rich? Peak what about Rich thing? Because you know? a couple weeks ago, everyone was like MVP Rich. Yeah, I th- I thought that he was much better than his recent LPL form, yeah. and then you see this, and you're like, oh, okay, well, he still got some of that recent LPL form in there too. So I think that that's all that was the reveal. Yeah, he got overhyped by a bunch of idiots on the desk. So yeah. <laughs> I hate those people. For yeah. him. Raz was right. Ra- justice, for, justice, <laughs> justice, just, for justice for Raz. For Raz, sure. Raz, Raz was the biggest rich hater for zero reason when he's smurfing every game. Yeah, but, but he knew. Yeah, but we went too far. Chad yeah. and I went too far trying to gas up Rich, and he now got, we're, he got too close to the sun. Yeah. 
We um, melted. So, so Rich has got to be out of that conversation, right? At yeah, oh, it's point. not even close. Like, yeah. I don't even think he was seriously ever, uh, like, maybe, like, through yeah, week what? one. For all, MVP for all pro, for sure. Oh, oh, well, I thought you were talking about MVP. Well, MVP, MVP like, people were talking about, but definitely, I, th- I think people were kind of considering that. And I do think through, what, first three weeks, maybe four weeks, something like that, people were, like, first team all pro. I, I was believing that in like week two, and then the rest of the season happened, and we're heading into week six. I would say I probably jumped off that train like week four, end of week four ish, maybe, yeah. maybe middle of week four, where it's like, yeah, like. Was it a cold powered train? I was going to say, he's real big off? on trains. Yeah, was it fast speed? 100 Thieves, <laughs> speaking of rockets stopping halfway or whatever. Speaking of heists, yeah. <laughs> train heists. Speaking of locomotion of some sort. Um, not not looking good. They picked up one win finally uh, over TSM, which was a little surprising. But it was a weird draft that they beat TSM with, or like TSM had a weird draft. Game, right? Mid Sejuani, and like more importantly than that, I think is people talking about Hanser's Gwen, whatever. I, yeah, I just think for Hundred Thieves, the exact same diagnosis is true for this team. Like it is, it's difficult to play the game League of Legends without having strong mid jungle right now and i feel like the only reliable part has been double lift and then someday is like next up to the plate so i feel like somebody has not done and anything it. it's been a while yeah that's what i'm saying yeah. he's the next one up to the plate and it's like it's, it's been a while yeah so I, I just feel like this team relies so heavily on bottom lane on double lift because of that and i know we've had we had a long discussion about closer Especially involved in in how you play League of Legends with uh, a mid jungle that doesn't have this sort of priority and and isn't proactive, and it's really difficult. Yeah, I do think Closer played better this week. Even the Lee Sin game where they ended up losing, I think against mm-hmm. C9, and he didn't get any kill participation. That was that, definitely that's better. That's something yeah. I always harp on too is his kill participation, and like people were flashing his abilities and then dying, and it's like you don't get an assist for that, but clearly he helped get yeah. that kill yeah, because yeah. he forced the flash, and you're like. Stats don't tell the whole story, huh? Yeah. But it was better, but like our f- expectations were pretty low. Yeah. And at the end of the day, got to pick up wins, and they weren't able to do it, yeah. really. I mean, like again, they beat they, they went one and two their last two weeks, and they've dropped in the standings now to seventh. And even if they win out, you know, it's hard to get above NRG and TSM, who are two games ahead. So. Yeah. And, and Quid had some good games, but there's no consistency here. No. Yeah, I mean, I think there kind of is consistency, but it's like bad. bad you don't bad want you don't want to admit that that's that's your level. Or but yeah, I mean, I think I think the reality is the team hundred thieves actually to me feels a little bit different than the other teams. I actually feel like they are pretty consistent. Like it's only double if doing almost anything on this whole team, and the rest of the team is is kind of sucking to be honest, right? Like someday used to be even just considered like so good in lane at the very least. I don't even feel like his lanes are going that well individually. Uh, you could say that it is like a picks thing because he's not playing like a lot of carries. He's probably not getting counterpicked that often and whatnot. He's mostly just playing Cassante and whatnot. Um, but I don't feel like he's had great lane performances. He hasn't been that big in team fights. Almost every game, 100 Thieves, like the 100 Thieves traditional game to me feels like drafting for late game, Double lift and Busio maybe getting a kill or like doing okay at some point early game, everyone else losing, and then 
you go into mid game and either double if has now been put behind because everyone's focusing him or they like just lose a team fight and then the game's over like there's not really a lot going for this team and it feels the games feel very similar to me almost every time yeah i think the, the times that they win and do well it's usually because there wasn't that much mid jungle pressure and quake can farm up and he does farm very well and then he's like sometimes decent in team fights to that yeah. point so it's like yeah if we make it late without falling too far behind sometimes we're good but their early game has been so bad that that doesn't happen very often how, um, how good do you guys think double lift is like is he actually having a really good split or is it kind of just like he's the only one doing anything or is, is that like cope for me because i feel like he's no actually i think he's actually good. playing well yeah yeah he's, he's playing well for sure yeah i don't think he has much help around him and i think on another team it would it would be more obvious how good he is playing um, yeah. I don't think he's going to get an all-pro nod because there's too many other good AD carries in the league right now. But yeah. and it, he's sort of held back by a team. I feel like this level of performance on a winning team yeah. could get you an all-pro. Would but be all-pro, probably. Yeah, yeah, but it's just too hard when it's like, all right, well, lost. I don't know. I feel yeah, AD carry is pretty hard right now. Pretty crowded up there. Got, I feel like a lot, a lot of the all-pro stuff is going to be pretty tough to vote. So, someone was calling into Hotline League with that and saying that they thought all pro was really hard and I was like I don't know if I agree I think I think I think it'll be easier than people think when you finally like sit down and dig into it I think like I mean I guess it's just like it I, off the top of my head like for example I just immediately started thinking about top lane and maybe once I actually start really like thinking about it in that way yeah but it's it's just interesting because there's so many so many names in top lane that you expect to be like in that conversation that probably just aren't and maybe you know after, after I actually look at it you can just start Xing names off the list very quickly and kind of come to that point, but I think a lot of the people in some of these roles didn't have the seasons that you would expect, right? You know, when I think about top lane, it's like, okay, well, Fudge has been not, I think, his his usual dominant self. Rich had a really strong early uh, split, but maybe it's kind of fallen off. Impact, it's like, well, how good is he? Like, you know, his team's doing horrible, but he's been, like, okay. You know, someday, obviously, like, these people that, you know, would probably be up there, you can start Xing names off the list, but it's, yeah. just, it's just interesting because it's like, okay, Licorice, for sure, I think should be up there. Fudge is probably still up there uh, off the top of my head. Summit. Summit, yeah, so it's it probably is that three, I guess. Yeah, because unless, in the order is maybe a bit difficult, but I guess it's just like I was thinking in my mind, like there's all these people that normally should be up there, and yeah, I think just aren't. I think look at it closely. Fudge hasn't dominated the way he usually has, and the people who might have taken his throne, being Revenge and Rich, have dropped off a lot recently. I think Revenge yeah. hasn't been terrible. I think he was a little overrated through the first round robin, just because Revenge is doing so sure. well. I, but me. I think that. Impact is not as bad as FlyQuest is. No, I, I feel bad for him yeah. as well. I agree with that, but like, is he good enough to bump any of those out of the top three? I'm it's, not sure. it's the same thing for the double lift argument that I was just making. Like, I think yeah. you're playing fine Impact, but like your team's dying around you, and like going even in lane is not going to get you like even even or slightly ahead in lane is not going to get you an all pro nod for me. When I think yep. Summit, Licorice, and Fudge are legitimately helping their team win games every time, and they, they have more help. Blah blah blah. But yeah, yeah, that, that's how I feel about a lot of the positions. Though, like when you really sit down and think about like who's yeah, been consistent. Start names off. Yeah, like some people just haven't been consistent enough across the whole season. Yep. Okay, well, we can jump up. Uh, we just did 100 Days Dig. That's obviously the cusp of playoffs. Now we're kind of into the teams that have all clinched already. Uh, TSM, they are sitting at 8-7, and seven, but three of those losses were with Ruby. So they're 8-4 and four with Insanity, which is pretty damn impressive. All right, I'm going to say it. Insanity, MVP... Candidates, I've at been, least? I've been sneaky pushing this huh? for, for a little bit, and it's unfortunate that they lost that the game. Sejuani, yeah, that, that, that game kind of drops drops it off a little bit. The hype train was really building. I feel like if he had another sick game to end off end off the week, it would be yeah. you know, peaking. But 
so in waiting room we did like a stats deep dive to try and like build a case for him as yeah. well as like some of the other MVP candidates and like he has the hardest case I think statistically because he hasn't dominated his position like Jojo even uh-huh. even with the downturn still insano stats and stuff like that blabber obviously crazy berserker pretty good there's there's other people you can kind of build up yeah and Sandy's landing phase isn't that good on average he's down 60 s 15 for example yeah and he's like pushing and moving with his team and he's not like trying to like sit at turret and harass you or anything like that and like you can build a narrative angle because of like the, the win rate with him but I think He's very valuable to TSM, yes. the team yeah. that he but to, is on. To me, MVP clearly. should always be best player in the league. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so too. And so, like, it's a tough case, but he might get some nods yeah. because I don't think there's a clear third He's gonna candidate. Get votes. He's going to get votes for sure. And some people do vote by, you know, most valuable player to the team that they are yeah. on, right? Yeah. And yeah. and that argument is very strong. With that him. that argument, I think, if if you're someone who votes that way, I think absolutely. To me, for him to be. For me to really like legitimately consider him for MVP, I think he has to have a great final week uh, against a really tough competition, right? Because he plays both C9 and EG, so he's going to play MNS and JoJo, uh, who are what most people's top two mid laners are in the league. And again, it's like I cannot fathom voting for someone for MVP if I don't think you're the best in your role, right? Just yeah. just as a baseline. So if he could come out and he actually has great performances against C9 and EG and TSM, you know, sweep it out, then I think he he definitely deserves some serious consideration for MVP. I think he's had a hell of a split, MVP or not, though. Mm-hmm. I think he should be in consideration absolutely for all pro. And I think if, if you're voting like what you're saying, Kobe, where it's like most valuable to his team, difference maker for his team, yeah. I think he's... is just such a big difference maker for the team because he's one of the guys who's actually being proactive on the map, who's making things happen for the squad. And it, it definitely was night and day when they were playing those couple games with Ruby versus what they've done with him. He is just playing like one style that is working for him. It's basically just like marksman pretty much every single game between Graves and Kaisa and uh, and the Tristana as well. Yes, he's mixed in some other picks, um, but <laughs> marksman waves arms wildly, try to turn lights back on. It um, wasn't motion sensor, by the but way. we're it, just dark mode now. Yeah, we're dark mode. We're back to light mode. Um, he, he has been great, and I think I think he should be so incredibly proud of his of his split. He has a future. Uh, also, he, has he a better future. have a future. I swear to God, GMs, if he doesn't have a future, what are we doing here? Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing that's like really sad about this, I, I'm so happy for the players and the coaches and everyone on TSM because I think they super overperformed expectations. They proved me completely wrong. I tweeted that out. Like, hey, I thought this team was gonna be tenth. Yes, I thought they were gonna be tenth with Ruby, and even in the Power Rankings episode, I thought they would. I said I thought they would do a bit better with insanity but to me a bit better was like i could see maybe getting like seventh or eighth or something like that you know Mm -hmm. i never thought they could do this well and so it kind of makes it even a little bit more sad to me that it's like oh man this sucks that now tsm is leaving when they they kind of like struck gold with this this like roster that no one really expected anything from I hope that the players will end up with a with a team. You know, wh- whoever takes that spot, maybe they get a chance to stay together. Because it's like these guys obviously deserve their their slot, and I would love to see what they can kind of build into and see Insanity. You know, have a consistent team that he can play with for a while because he's never had that in his LCS career. I think this was the first time he was ever like a starter from the word go in LCS. Yeah. Uh, I think he started with either Immortals or Optic or something. I can't remember. Okay, I think, he, but like it wasn't. Like, maybe, not it was, maybe it was a FlyQuest thing. season. I can't remember, but yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't like long-lived or anything like that he had maybe yeah. got like and, a he, and even this one was oh ruby was the intended starter yeah. and then still ha- they still had to do some some switching and stuff so um i i do think that with the amount of success that they had they will 
get picked up because especially I feel like Turtle is playing so well too. Like it's this team is not just insanity as mm, much as not, yeah. as much as there's such a good story around. Ah, look, they suck ass with Ruby and they're so good with insanity. You know, yes, that is true. But I feel like throughout the whole thing, Turtle has been so consistent for them. Boogie has had some really yeah, good really moments. Solid. Um, so yeah, I think there is uh, there's definitely a very promising future for for a lot of these players, and it's it's such a cool story to live in the LCS right now where it, it, we're having a renaissance of North American players actually being subbed in and succeeding. Five NA mids, especially in mid lane, doing better than the imports. Taking, they're, they're, they're taking over. APA will jump to Team Liquid pretty soon here, but they're uh, they're they're taking over. They're taking back the league. I won't make the South Park reference. <laughs> I won't do it. Um, yeah, I, I think for TSM, they also might be a little scary in the because because I don't know how you guys feel, and this might be getting too far ahead. It's like okay, Golden Guardians C9 feel very good about postseason success. Yeah, mm-hmm. basically, no matter what happens, I will not lose faith in these people until they're out of the playoffs. The other six spots in playoffs are kind of like whatever to me. Like, EG's kind of slumping. Team Liquid is an inconsistent mess still so a little bit. the majority of playoffs is, is whatever. Well, I just mean like, you, like I could not <laughs> tell not you who... confident in his predictions. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know who 3-4 is. The other two teams who are like going to I could to tell Worlds. you the TSM beat EG in playoffs and you'd probably be like, yeah, I can see yeah, that. EG slumping. Yeah. They only played through JoJo and Sanity did some counter picks, and they they can't mid. And there yeah. you go. That's how that's how TSM made worlds. You know, like I can tell that story hypothetically right now about pretty much yeah. any team in playoffs. I w- I will say uh, one thing that I don't think has really been punished for TSM that I am expecting it more to be in playoffs is Hanser. I think Hanser um, from from multiple top laners have told me unprompted that they feel like Hanser basically can only play Renekton. And whether or not that is fully true, I don't know. His Malphite games, he was, he was playing a couple of Malphite games in a row early on in the split. They didn't look that good. His lanes were pretty rough. Obviously, Malphite is, is not something that you would normally pick behind, but he was doing it. Um, he then strung off six Renekton games in a row where I think he was doing really well. But off Renekton, he has not looked very good. The Gwen game, obviously, was kind of rough and whatnot. Um, so I think there is some concern, you know, and people have kind of told me that they think, oh, yeah, like TSM in playoffs. Hunter's going to get clapped. So if a team has a strong top laner, I do think that's like a potential kind of area of weakness for the team. I just love this as like a possible piece of content where you started it out saying uh, people are telling you unprompted, and we just have like you ask Fudge, you know, what, what's for lunch or whatever, and he's like. Hunter can't pl- can only play Renekton. <laughs> Some days, like driving down the street or something, yells out of his car at Azale. Azale, Hunter can only play Renekton. <laughs> <laughs> like it just keeps on going. Oh my god. Yeah, well. but it is. It has been an issue, and it was like, oh, he was on like the Malphite for so long, yeah. and then it, it's obvious. It, it's obvious that TSM when they venture out from, oh, he's on Renekton or a tank. Yeah, and weak side, top side. It's like dangerous territory. So like, get back to there. Just have him on something that you can play Orn and go down a bunch of CS. It's fine. And then he comes in on an Orn down 70 CS or something, still making big plays in the team fight. Yeah, I mean, I think he's still got a sense for, for team fighting and stuff like that. It's just getting there sometimes. I think it is true to that point that there are some weaknesses for them, 100 Thieves and Dig, that could get exploited in different positions. Like, yeah. okay, top for TSM, mid jungle maybe for 100 Thieves, they don't step it up, and then uh, probably bot lane for Dignitas. Yeah. So, like, it's not the end of the world for them because every team or, or a handful of teams in playoffs have this kind of weakness, but it is something that 
in playoffs with some of the top laners. Bands and stuff. Yeah, people might might go after him pretty hard. There's a lot of good top laners in the league. Yeah. For Team Liquid, that area is actually a time, and it's mid and late game. Yeah, for, that's where, that's where it's he, not a place. It's a time. Exactly, space time continuum. Uh-huh. Every every team's got one. There's some area that you can take advantage of. Yeah, just yeah. make sure at some point the clock hits 20 minutes or later. <laughs> for energy, it's draft. Sometimes they just kill themselves in draft. Yeah. I don't know what they're doing. Uh, should, we, should we hop on energy or you guys got more, more on TSM? No, I think that's all yeah, that's good. I'm pretty excited for TSM. Uh, they definitely done really well. Uh, I know everyone thinks I'm a big TSM hater now, but I'm actually really happy for the staff, really happy for the players. Maybe yeah. just not a big fan of the owners. <laughs> uh, but energy. No one's forcing him to say this. <laughs> yeah. Energy. Uh, we can we can move on to them. Uh, tied with TSM right now. They're both fifth, eight and seven. So obviously, you know, kind of trying to move up the ranks as much as they can. Uh, they have been pretty up and down. We've talked about their, their kind of weird split a fair bit, where they have all these wins against top teams. They have all these losses against bottom teams. They still have not really been able to kind of like beat that rap. But I do feel like they are picking up their well, consistency a little bit yeah, oh, because first, they had their first 3-0 weekend. Yeah, yeah. first 3-0 weekend, they had a bunch of 1-2 and two weeks to start, then a 2-1, and one, and now a 3-0. And I feel like NRG is Good. They should be good. I predict them to be a top half of the league team. I'm happy to see them like doing what they should. But they've done this couple splits now in a row where their their second round robin's way better than their first one. So I guess they're just kind of like that slow starters. Keep Palafox sick. That's the secret. Three <laughs> zero mm. weekend. Incredibly sick. <laughs> like puking in the mornings. Doesn't matter. Comes in, smurfs it, wins player of the week. Hmm. There's something here. Interesting. Interesting. Yes. Counter logic. If you're maybe. a real energy fan, you're gonna make sure <laughs> you're gonna cough on your. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa! Let's cut that. I love you. <laughs> we don't want to be legally responsible for any uh, crimes. That's, that's, that's you like you suggested it. Like, you're like, you... keep this man sick. That was no that. matter what happens. Kobe said it, guys. I don't know what you want. Uh, I I really like them though. I, I think that this team. I want them to finally do it in a sense. It's like you've been top half of the regular season the last two splits. I think they got fourth back-to-back, if I'm not mistaken, in spring last split and then summer last year. Yep. But then they didn't actually close it out in the postseason where they, they end up losing to C9 or like whatever happens. So I hope this is the, the, the time that they can finally actually uh, beat up a couple of the teams that people have bigger rosters for. I still consider them kind of a scrappy underdog team, though they did grab FBI and Ignar. Like the top side of the map being contracts, Dokla and Palafox is really cool. I'm talking about the NA mids, like they're not or like the, the NA uh, native talent angle. Like they were the original ones that like kind of kicked off this resurgence, I think, if if we're being honest. Like summer last year, after being basically tenth place in spring and just yeah. improving, I think generated a lot of that fan hype around like, hey look, we got some talent here. And so like I would love to see them finally actually like Close out with a good final week here. Finish top four again, and then like go beat some teams in playoffs. They have C nine on Friday, so that's obviously going to be perfect. Their, their, I rated Wednesday team. rather. <laughs> oh, but they usually only beat C nine once. So they got C nine hundred thieves and immortals. So I think it's easy two one angle, mm-hmm. you know, potentially there for them. So uh, that would put them at ten wins. So uh, would be a pretty good uh, finish to the split. And Palfox, yeah, I mean, you obviously mentioned he was really really good with sick. He won Player of the Week. I think that's first time he's ever won player of the week also and i do think he's starting to string together some really good performances um you know maybe building a case for himself as all pro energy formerly clg i know there's always kind of been this feeling that they're like are maybe getting snubbed on all pro and an overlooked because they're not as big names and so on and so forth uh, but he has had some really strong performances so he at least deserves some consideration uh, i will say 
I am still really disappointed uh, with how Dokla has looked this year, uh, this split rather, versus you know the past. I think in spring, he was looking like really good. And in spring, I think when we came to this time of the year, there was a lot of talk about like, oh, should he be an All-Pro? I, th- I feel like you even voted for him for All-Pro, right, Kobe? Or had him right on the precipice? Because I remember thinking I had him like fourth, and in I thought spring? you voted for him for third. I can't remember. I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I have but. voted for one for one CLG member, but I think it was Powell Fox. Okay. I, well, at the very least, we, we were like considering him around. Mm-hmm. Like I was considering yeah, him we as had a like fourth or something. Sure. And so I can't remember if you voted for him or not, but it doesn't matter. He was like in the conversation for All Pro. And this split, when I start thinking about like Xing off names, of thinking about who he's better than in top lane, I'm like, are you like the eighth or ninth best top laner in the league now? Like, well, who, who's he better than? His gold difference at 10, which is, you know, like lane phase gold difference, is second to last in the league, only. Yeah. Only uh, better than Solo. Okay. So, so yeah, to me, it's like, I'm like, you're, I would probably still have you over Solo and Hauntzer. I'm struggling to think of anyone else I, I would put him over. Because I don't think he's had, like, a single really good game. I think he's been better recently. I, I think all the NRG guys make it hard on themselves to get all pro nods because they're so inconsistent. Like, this team will just But Doko has been consistent. He's just been not good. Fair enough. This but, split. But even Palafox, like, yeah, he won yeah. player of the week this week, but, like, two weeks ago, what was he doing? You know, like, yep. they, they all have that kind of problem. FBI Contracts always stuff. has good stats, but then you watch the games, and it's like, okay, you had a 15-kill game that you couldn't close out. Like, that's actually not a good thing. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think the whole team makes it hard. But Dokla has been, it feels like, the biggest underperformer. Whereas, like, everyone else had the high moments. I don't think he's had as many high moments this yeah. split. Yeah, I mean, F- FBI, to me, is, like, also consistent in, in like, his issues. Like, the, the criticisms of, of FBI, I feel like, have remained the same for, for a while now now um ever since you know like berserker and some of these guys kind of came back in the league and like dethroned him because it was like what two three years ago that people were talking about like him as the best bot lane in the league i think that was still when he was on golden guardians right with with well, like a hundred thief split too or when they yeah, won the title maybe yeah. split as well but um it's it's just like in these big moments he seems to kind of falter at times like i feel like you know when you look at him statistically he looks really good right like he has he puts out you know he generally has a good laning phase he generally puts out a lot of damage like he's generally doing good things but he has had quite a few moments this split where it's like you are in the position to carry you are the guy who has all the gold and then you just have this really dumb death right and that is something that is so punishing the game is about 80 carries later in the game, like almost always. So, you know, if you make mistakes in team fights, if you give up a silly death, that can completely cost your team the game. And I think that is the big criticism of, of FBI. And that's like something that I think is kind of separating him from the top of the pack. I mean, it, even just looking at the plays that this team makes in their individual games, sometimes you'll have an amazing play followed up by what? What? What in the hell was that? And a couple, a lot of the games, even though they're at uh, the top of the standings here, there were several games, uh, even a string of games where they were losing so much. But then contracts has to make this like big pick on on an opponent or something really late, and then boom, they rush the nexus and they win. Yeah, there was one week where they had two of those in the in the same week at, uh, or weekday days now. Uh, keep falling into that. Yeah, track. I always but, do. Too, um, but yeah, this is so like, you know, there there's one where like, oh, the enemy team was going splitting for Elder Dragon and then like a couple of people were up by Baron and Contrast was like, oh no, we're gonna lose. Like the only thing we can do is go for a pick and like they kill some people and then they go through and win the game. Um, at least they do also have the really high upside of, wow, when Cloud9 is at the top, boom, they'll take down Cloud9. You know, the, they will take these games off the top team. So you know that they can do this. It's just, uh, 
the same old counter logic story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny though. It's like highest DPM in the league. You know, one of the highest damage percentages in the league. Like he's he like he is you know statistically doing the things that you would still want an AD carry to do. But it's just these big mistakes. But it is it is something that makes them so fun to watch as well, and has made them really fun to watch in playoffs because there's always kind of like the upset watch for energy, right? Because if if energy is having a really good day where it's like. Yeah. They're flipping their coin, and they're, it's all it coming up heads. Be anyone. They, yeah, they could take down any team in the league in a best of. So I think that is what makes them really, really fun to watch because they have a lot of explosive players that at their best are incredible. Contracts, obviously, is that same way. We've been talking about a lot of the other guys. But Contracts, at his best games, can just be so 1v9. Yeah, that plus interesting drafts. I feel like they always have something cool. Uh, another team that can feel like beat anyone and lose to anyone, Team Liquid with APA first full week with him. This is five games now total, I think, if I'm yeah. not saying They look week. so good with him. And the Ziggs bands are deserved now. <laughs> yeah. And even other people are starting to play Ziggs. And it, it is really fun to watch, especially because we we get these little, you know, interviews and, and APA talking on his stream about like comms and, and the team are still basically non existent. And Honestly, sometimes like that's better. He was talking about the specific Lee Sin plus Nico play mm-hmm. with Pioshik at the end. And he was like, yeah, I just started channeling ult because I was hoping that he will kick him into me. And Pioshik does, you know? And that that's just like knowing League of Legends and being able to rely on your teammate is on the same wavelength to, to create some of these plays. Yep. Like you're, you actually, even if you had good communication, you wouldn't be like, yo, go kick that guy into me. Like, that that break is like it's it's too long, you know. You, you need yeah. to instantly do it. Seeing the game the same way is a faster way of communicating than yeah. having to say things. And there's there's a couple instances now where you can just see that like they're clearly they can't they can't be talking. They're moving too quick to be talking, given that they don't speak the same language. That like it's just instinct. Like there was another play on one of his first games on Tristana where he jumps right as Nautilus, you know, Pioshik hooks in, and he jumps on top of the guy that Pioshik's hooking. And you're like clearly. No communication there. And it's just cool to see out of one, an NA mid who is pretty young, pretty early in his career, combining with a world champion that doesn't speak the same language. And like, yeah. it's kind of the like the thing of like, League is a language, like, <laughs> yeah, mean, yeah, but yeah. like, it like manifested so clearly. I think it's really cool. So wholesome, honestly. Yeah. yeah. And especially the interactions. Like, this, this team is having so much fun and they're in really good moods. You see, the celebrations between APA and Bioshik also <laughs> yeah. are so wholesome. It's, it's really nice to see. I mean, the team. Team just looks so excited, right? Because let's be honest, TL has been having just a bad year, right? For for expectations, like to to reality, spring was kind of rough. The start of summer was really rough. It was looking like, all right, well, it's a failed experience experiment. Like nothing really worked out. Didn't really get any improvement. Pretty depressing. But APA comes in and it just feels like it's kind of rejuvenated the team. They all look like he's saying, like in a really good mood. They're so excited after wins. They're popping off. They're, you know, doing a lot better with him. You know, whether it is, you know, just the change of environment or the actual like, individual player or both or whatever, it's it's working out quite well. You know, they just have that one loss with him. So I think they're what, four and one with him yep. now. They lost and, to TSM. Yeah. yeah. And that and that game was actually really sick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, both him and Insanity were making big plays. Yeah, so it's it's been it's been a lot of fun to watch and I'm just such a fan of people bringing in these picks and just showcasing that no, this is not just a solo queue pick. 
it works in the LCS, and I do think Rich has been uh, spearheading that for top lane. I think APA is, is making some people stand up to take notice that, like, no, Ziggs is not a joke, man. This pick is actually really good, and it's kind of been the same way for so long, you know, so so you need to actually respect that pick. So I, I do hope that some of these players coming in, you know, it's not even just the push about NA talent, because I do think we're seeing there's a lot of players that are North American talent that can come in and actually compete with a lot of these great imports and, and actually be better than them at times. And we're also seeing that there's a lot of champions that people have been overlooking. So I do hope that's that's going to kind of continue as far, as far as the trend going into playoffs, that people are going to pick up more stuff. And they still, to this day, I mean, for a long time, they uh, in the LPL, they play a lot of Ziggs, Ziggs bottom, and they'll still do like even kill lanes with Ziggs bottom. So yep. it's also flexible. If you can get the AD carry players to get on the train as well with the mid players. Satchels into hooks and stuff like that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think... Uh, I will. The one thing I'll contest a little bit is that their summer split was a not going great because they actually started like four and two and looked insane, and then mm-hmm. it was like some struggles with Harry, and then he got benched. And that's when APA came in. They ripped off a bunch more wins again. I will say I feel like in the community, the conversations I see around Harry is like this, this player was dog shit or something, and I don't personally agree with that. And speaking of players who have a future, I think Harry can bounce back. His lane phase has actually yeah. been really good the entire time. Always had good. Um, plays in, in the early game it's like his team fighting was pretty butt <laughs> and I, I think he just needs a little bit more time Go, he went back to academy he's absolutely smurfing on academy right now yeah. he's clearly a talent and I think he's just one of these people I hope doesn't get this like bad rep in the community for like his first outing in the LCS not being perfect yeah um, it's always sad to see that when you know the the player's future <laughs> gets gets doomed by the first you know, showing here to LCS audience or whatever. Yeah. I think the tough thing with Harry is, and this is not to say that he doesn't deserve another shot, um, but something that I do think works against players is the longer you've been around, the more people are likely to think, okay, they know what you are as a player, right? And so he, yeah, he, this is this is his kind of first foray, more more or less, into the LCS. But he's been playing competitive since 2016, I guess, or maybe 2017. You know, like he he had a history in OS, right, before he came here, and then he played in academy, and then he played in, in LCS. So it's like I do think that is one of those things that it's kind of like a hurdle that that people who have been around for a little bit longer have to like disprove and show like, hey, like I can improve. And I do think that hopefully with having some guys like you know wild turtle who just hit the most games played all time and is having way better performances than he did for a couple years in the middle and you know dokla and some of the clg guys coming back up and some of these players who who hadn't really had you know great performances for a while showcase that they can really i mean turtle's a crazy comparison to me because turtle's been around since season one like well i'm I'm saying that like that works in his favor yeah but i'm saying like a better comparison is just insanity himself insanity also started in 2016 he also got a shot in 2020 with like immortals and stuff and it didn't go great yeah and then he fucking died for two years before he got a shot again basically got a little bit of time on dignitas but it was like not the same and like that that's what i mean is like i don't want harry to become like insanity where we don't see him again for three years because people think he's this this guy me too, yeah. right? And I'm just—I'm not saying that like I think he shouldn't get a chance because he's been around. I'm saying that that has been the reality for so many players, right? Yeah. And I do think that we're seeing that trend change a little bit in the LCS. That there is more of an understanding now that like just because you've been around for five years doesn't mean you're dead and can no longer improve, right? We're seeing that disproven, I think, in the LCS by a number of players. You know, Palavox had been around for a while as well too. I think you know he's really improving. Uh, a lot of these CLG guys, but a lot of the energy guys. Um, yeah. yeah, it's human nature to try and label things as quickly as possible so that you can like categorize yeah. like that. But yeah, yeah. I, I think TL early game still insane. Summit's crazy. Your core and Yan are really good. I think this team 
is probably going to Worlds. I would, <laughs> I would like of the teams, the one I'm maybe most confident in, just because they have a repeatably great early game. You're, you're saying most confident in going outside of Cloud9 Golden yeah, Guardians? Yeah, I said those two are yeah. locked. Yeah. We have like roughly two more positions, depending yeah. on what you want to call that fourth place tiebreaker match versus yeah. EU. You can count that as going because it's just like you're. It's almost like a playing thing, right? Yeah, it's an international competition thing yeah. you're going to do. Like yeah. I, I call it going to Worlds if you're top sure. four. Yeah, I mean TL and NRG of that like grouping are probably the two that are coming off of the most recent strong performances. And you, so yeah, you could probably be more confident right now. But even even so, I think it's. I, I would still say, yeah, this is still in the unstable section <laughs> of the standings. How, how concerned are you, given that traditionally, so this is just to play devil's advocate because I agree, Team Liquid I think is probably likely to be in top four. Um, traditionally, you go into playoffs, the game slows down. You have longer games, you have less risks taken, and TL is really you know pretty bad in the mid and late Summit's game. still dying in side lanes, baby. Right? So it's like... Are they are are you concerned at all that they could kind of lose some of their yes. like, their strength? Yeah. <laughs> are you you could stop at are you concerned at all for for any of these teams? And the answer yeah. is an emphatic yes. But I guess even more so because of the the style of playoff League of Legends that we normally see. Yeah, I think game slowing down. You have to be smarter about your macro play, your Baron setups, and like these these kinds of things, which are not exactly team liquid strength right now. Uh, I guess the thing is like all these teams have I feel like clear maybe player weaknesses or some of them do or like their drafts are like weird I feel pretty good about Team Liquid I, th I guess what I'd say is Team Liquid's strengths feel more solid to me it's like I know you're a really good early game team you have really good players and like you seem to draft generally okay just late game I don't know what you're doing sometimes <laughs> whereas other times I'm like this this team's draft just like lost in the game like they, they just the game's over before they loaded in you know? yeah maybe just like don't take the super blast cone under the tower uh, <laughs> late game to try to like throw back some gold or you know Fair call, call summit back one time or ward for him or yeah I mean it's tough always because I've felt the same way I'm like the early game's so good they just yeah, have yeah. to improve this thing but it's in like two years of that so it's uh, the meme you, yeah. they just have to improve this one thing and you list the paragraph everything yeah, yeah. alright we can jump on to EG, uh, another team who's who's up near the top, but is really I think kind of like lowering uh, lowering their stocks. You know, people are, are not so excited about this team anymore. They're on a four game losing streak. Uh, people feel like they have cracked the code. Whether or not that remains to be seen, I think for sure there's going to be a lot shown in this final week because everyone seems to be of the same opinion now that you throw some bands towards JoJo, you get a decent matchup, and then you just put all your resources towards JoJo, and then you win the game. Complicated code right there. Go mid. Yeah. Go, go mid, everybody. Don't care what Piotr position. help. Everyone's, yeah. everyone, everyone's making that call now. Yeah. Uh, it's a good call. It's it's a good it, call. it works very well yeah. against EG, apparently. Yeah. Um, I, I think this is a struggle for them. I, I, the one I'm most disappointed in is their bot lane because Unforgiven, in terms of like, you know, gearing up to make a player, like, you start building narratives around a player and what they're doing so well. Him and Ayla were, were doing very well, it felt like. And then they, the, the wheels kind of came off a little bit through bot lane, it feels like. Obviously, part of it is... Not the wheels! The we I don't know. Why is there so many car and... Put the wheels much? back on! Yeah. The lug <laughs> nuts doing? came off. Been shoveling coal all day into this train. <laughs> yeah, we got no wheels! <laughs> Shovel some coal into the wheels. Duh. Yeah. Uh, I just... <laughs> I, I, uh, I don't know. It just feels like, yeah, you can talk about the JoJo mid camp, but also the, the question then becomes, like, well, what's the rest of your team doing? And I feel like their, their bot lane has, has been struggling. And Revenge has always just... I felt like Ben on an island, just like perma-pushing, and like the game is either won or lost by the time he shows up. for t Like, I, I felt like... 
Revenge actually isn't that different to me than his Immortals days, where it felt like he was just on a bad team and he was playing well, like pretty well individually. I still feel like he's playing pretty well individually, but he's like on a better team. On a better team, yeah. It's like okay, they're they're usually winning or losing independently of him still, because um, they don't yeah. really play through him that much. He he has a, like a, a solid laning phase, you know. I think is. His team fighting's good. Who plays through top lane, though? Well, yeah, I don't, I'm not blaming him. Not, I just mean not a lot dig, of teams. Nah. Yeah. I guess it. Golden Guardians sometimes kind of yeah. like... Summit a little bit. draft resources. If you pick counterpick with Rumble or something. Yeah. They've there's, been, there's they've been nice to Fudge recently after he complained publicly. Yeah. <laughs> but like the thing, the thing with Revenge is, is, is I mean, and we keep saying consistency. I feel like I'm a broken record, but you know he has these games where even within the game he like gets a solo kill or makes a big play, and then he just immediately gives it back, right? Um, and and that is something that is is going to be tough, right? You know, if he really wants to break into that that elite elite level, which I know he really does, and he's talked about how he feels that he's kind of a bit underrated or overlooked, um, but. You know, he has to be able to string together these top-level performances to really be, I think, entering that conversation. Uh, you know, 4-4 four, four best top laner in the league, which I know that's really where he wants to be. Yeah, and I think, you know, part of it is, again, resources. Like, for example, I think Licorice might be first team all-pro right now for me. Yeah. But he gets a lot of help, to be fair. Like, he gets, you know, draft counterpicks all the time for Golden Guardians. They will gank for him a lot. He will be allowed to play selfishly where he's taking Ignite Rumble and, like, flashing in and all this stuff. And I don't think Revenge is maybe allowed to play the same way or maybe doesn't even want to play that greedily. Uh, but those are the kinds of things you need to do to stand out. So I feel like, uh, yeah, JoJo's not getting that much help by anyone yeah. anymore if they want to win. Yep, absolutely. Um, feels like our Mayo hype has really cooled off as well. How, yeah. how, how are you feeling about Most Armeo? of the hype was off of a lot of his aggressive mid-jungle plays, which were off yep. of JoJo. And so now everyone's attacking JoJo. And he hasn't been able to do the defensive mid-jungle plays as well. Because in the early stages, you know, JoJo came in, he's getting lane pushing every uh, on everyone, and so Armeo's doing all these like Raptor steals and, and invading and towards reds and stuff, and we're like, oh my god, it's firing on all cylinders everywhere, like they're just, they're killing it here. But um, with everybody else now focusing mid, he doesn't have that to play off. It seems like so maybe they need to make an adaptation where it's it's earlier defensive. Uh, you know stuff around mid. If that's, that's going to continue, that's a really good way to frame it. Because JoJo's still playing really aggressive. The, the game that we all cast together, he's playing Tristana. He's jumping in. He's trying to abuse that lack of flash mid as much as he can, and then he just gets punished for it. And, yeah. and whatever Armeo needs to do, or the whole team needs to do to set him up so he can keep playing that way, is is lacking right now. Yeah, it, feel, it feels literally like when C9 had Summit. And where I felt like, yeah, Summit was doing some dumb stuff, but he's so good in, in the 1v1 in lane that I was like, I would just like to see Blabber path bot to top every single game and just stand behind this guy in a brush because someone's going to gank him, right? It's almost to that point, I feel like, with our, our Mayo, where it's like you need to be just putting your body mid no matter what. You need to be going there and warding for him. You need to be going there and standing behind him when he's vulnerable, and you need to play around this 2v2 and force action, and, you know, because he is going to be winning the 1v1, it feels like, almost every single time. His stats are still incredible, even despite that one game that got super screwed off of um, the mid lane level 1, and he was down, like, 60 CS. His CSD and stuff is still incredible, even with that game. But, you know, I, I just think they need to play more for a 2v2, and I, I want to see EG come into this final week and pick aggressive 2v2 pairings 
things that they can really play for and try to enable their strengths instead of like uh, shying away from that. And you can do that a couple ways as jungle. You know, you can have you can work with coach to like draft pushing lanes so you can go invade and track enemy jungle. So then Jojo knows where enemy jungle is because you go what you invade. Um, you don't have to kill the enemy jungler. But you either fight them off of a camp or you secure, you know, like the Raptor ward to know. So Jojo knows he can play to Raptor side at least um, in in his trades and stuff. And so yeah, I think I think there definitely are angles. While people caught EG in this like fraud charges and, and they're like everyone's like, wow, EG's not beating those allegations. That was true last week. I think they can they can come up with a defense. Still though, you know they can call a new witness time. Exactly. to the stand. <laughs> I call Lisa and LeBlanc to the stand. <laughs> I mean, they they do have a pretty winnable strength of schedule this week with Immortals, TL, and TSM. Like they're kind of direct competition. So I, I feel like this is the real fraud watch. Whereas like last week was their very hard week against GG and C9. They shouldn't be lost to FlyQuest, but they yep. did. I don't know, whatever's going on there. But these are like your direct competition to stay above them in the standings. If, if they beat TL and TSM, then they can really earn like the th third seed, right? Yeah. You can start getting confident that they could actually beat those teams in playoffs. Yeah. So I, I feel like this is a really big week for them to, to yeah. not drop any further in the standings to your direct competition. We made it to the top. We did it, guys. The long climb, 70 minutes in, our best two teams in the league. Thanks, guys, for watching. <laughs> <laughs> Who likes to talk about winners? Golden Guardians are really good and I like them a lot. I this team is so well balanced. I love their strategies. I love their their prep. I think they have multiple people that their biggest problem <laughs> right now is like who do you pick for MVP candidate to the point about like they might not get that many first team all pros except for Licorice and maybe Huhi. And but they're so well balanced it doesn't feel like any of them are like really directly leading the charge any more than River or Gory are. I think Gory's insane. He might overtake Jojo if Jojo has a terrible first week for me in my first team voting. I feel like Gory's incredible. In terms of stats, he's like right behind him. Basically he has like nine CSD or whatever instead of eleven at this point or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. You know, so like I think I, I really like Golden Guardians. I just uh yeah. I, I mean in the beginning of the split it, it, we were looking at it and we're like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, the team's still playing pretty well coming back, but Stixay's really got to step it up. And then Stixay starts, like, you know, winning games solo, Elder Dragon fights, and, and 2v1ing people in the back line. And we're like, oh my God. All right. Well, that's, all, that, that's what we had on their checklist. And then they did that. And while some games you can have an off game for River or you can, you know, someone can, can make a blunder, um, then you'll have someone else step up. Like Licorice is like, you know what? We're actually going to win this one. <laughs> and, and then they do. And, you know, then they get their 10 wins and they get their celebration. And they deserve it. Uh, Golden Guardians. Yeah, I think that that's the reason why we're so confident about Cloud Nine and Golden Guardians at the top of the standings here. I feel yeah, like. I mean it's it's cool. If you guys didn't know, uh, they had never had ten wins in the history of or their org. Even when they made it to the finals and whatnot, they had always finished at nine. They now have ten wins. So technically, there's a small asterisk there that like we, we've never technically acknowledged, which is they've played in splits that had more than eighteen games. And during those ones, a couple times, their game score has been higher okay, than 10. So but they've never had a five uh, over 500 record, which yeah, has been yeah. shorthanded to never winning 10 games. Yeah. And to be fair, in 18-game seasons, they've never, never won 10 it. games. And so like, it's like too messy of a history of like the League of Legends format to just try and put all we those caveats in. We played best of threes, and we played different. different yeah, we, ha we had like before. 27 games one summer yeah. randomly. Mm -hmm. you know. So it's like... 
all right, easiest way to say it, they never won more than 10 games. Yep. They've, ne- they've never hit that in this format, at the very least, yeah. right? So it is it is really cool to see the development of this this org. And and they were just, like, perennially trash for, for the first long time. They were Back-to-back 10th. Perma-10th, and they were doing it in Academy and LCS at the same time. They were just racking up double-10ths. So <laughs> it is, it is really cool to see how far this, they have come, um, you know, from there. They also started 0-2. It was against really, really tough competition. Uh, they lost to EG and Cloud9 to start out the split, but they have beat both of them in the second round robin. And since then, you know, it's like they're ten and five, but they're they're ten and three, you know, since that start. So they're on a really really strong run. Um, I, I do think, you know, I'm quite excited about how this team is going to be in playoffs, and I love that they have not lost their identity from MSI, which was, I think, a lot of people's concern, is that this team was going to turn back into a pumpkin, that they were, you know, just Licorice is having some good games, but surely Licorice is still this, like, bad player that we saw on FlyQuest and whatnot. He's not the Cloud9 guy. But it really feels like they have been able to, to find that improvement and, and kind of just, like, solidify this new style for themselves. So it's really cool. And I just want to give so much credit to Huhi. I feel like Huhi is such a binding force in this team and all the players talk about it in the interviews and um, the funny little tidbits about him screaming at them or whipping them into shape or you know <laughs> telling <laughs> telling them to play more aggressive it's and, so funny when he beats them down and they come on they're like wow i didn't know uh, who he was so uh, <laughs> aggressive um but he really i you need that in uh, you know te- in teams like this and they obviously also we had that episode where they came on came in and we're talking about how they play with confidence and just feel like they've fully stocked up on confidence and they've got reserves as well to carry them through so yeah on the who he point i feel like he's been underappreciated for a long time i mean like even on the 100 thieves days there there were people who were like oh he's overrated he's getting carried by fbi or like i mean even on the clg days when he was aurelian soul and everyone they were literally at msi winning games you know beating rng beating t1 in some games and everyone's just turbo flaming his azir and all these yeah yeah Yeah, I'm, i'm with you i think in hindsight very like we always talk about who's the most underrated player. It was Smithy for a little while. It was Sneaky for a little bit before that. You know, this guy who's like being successful but never talked about on their teams for a little bit. And I feel like who he's kind of taken on that mantle. And it's, it's being shed a bit now. But like looking at how great his career has been, borderline top 10 all-time player in the LCS, probably should be on that list, especially now attending MSI again and things like that. So yeah. he, he's also just a hilarious person, like mm-hmm. one of the nicest people in the LCS off-camera to talk to. Yep. Uh, and I'm glad that he's kind of getting his shine finally. I mean, I, I'm a really big fan of Huhi, but I do also think it is uh, a little bit of an injustice to just talk about uh, like this split and how good he is without also referencing the fact that I think he's also just individually playing better in the games, yeah. I feel like, right? I think that a lot of the value that people talked about him before was always just the intangibles and what he's doing outside of the game and his leadership and how he helps the team improve and his shot calling and all these things. Everyone's like, yeah, but his mechanics are kind of, kind of bad, though. Um, but I do think his in-game performance has been at a higher level this split 
than it has in a long time for, for anything that I can remember. Um, you know, even thinking back to the last split and playoffs and, and MSI and whatever, it feels like he has more of those oopsie moments uh, where, you know, something looks kind of pretty rough. Um, but I do think that he has had very few of those these split, uh, this split compared to the past. So I think he's really stepping up. And I think that it's not just about the value that he's adding to the team outside of the game and whatnot. Like, you know, you talked about him as a potential MVP candidate. Like, I think, I think. For sure, he should be all pro. Like guaranteed, he should be all pro support. Um, you know whether or not he's first team, second team, whatever. I think he should be up there, and I think he should be a real threat to be first team all pro support. Which I think I don't know if I've ever voted for him for that, um, but at the very least, I'm going to be actually considering him for for it for sure. So I think it's really really cool that he stepped up and, and having the great in game performance to match with everything else that people have been talking about with him for years. The other thing with Golden Guardians, uh, my last thing is that I have a lot of confidence in best of series because their players play so many different champions that their draft can be really flexible. Yeah. They can use a support counter pick for Huhi. He plays all of these random different engaged supports as well as playing enchanters. Or they can just do what they did last time and give counter pick to Licorice. You know, they have. They have a lot of versatility uh, in draft phase as well, so that I just feel like it doubles down on playoff security. Yeah, and and we've already seen it before with this, this group of guys. They they were great in summer uh, or spring spring playoffs. That's true. They were great in summer. Yeah, they've been great in summer too. Second place. Even. Cloud Nine <laughs> is also great in summer. In first place, uh, what do you say about Cloud Nine that hasn't been said before? They're all really good. Uh, they're going to get a bunch of All Pro nods. Blabber's probably MVP again. He's continuing to rack up accolades for his best North American player ever. Slow, what about slow build. Fudge conversation? That's what you could say. That's new. What, how are you feeling about Fudge current position? Current form. Because I feel like Berserker is playing out of his mind. Um, Blabber is playing really well, too. Um, MNS in the majority of games is. He has like a couple stray ones. I feel like there, if there is a point to attack, because we're identifying attack points on every single team, basically, or attack times for some teams, uh, I feel like Fudge might be a conversation starter. I don't buy it. I don't buy what you're selling. Okay. I turn your offer down. I think Fudge is fine. I think there were last split. I felt like he was the best top player in the LCS easily. And this split, okay, I don't feel that way. But I don't think he's a weakness. Yeah. I don't think you can just like, oh, just counterpick him or like just ban him a little bit because he his landing phase is really good. His landing phase is really good. He has a wide champion pool. He can play weak side because, like you said, Berserker's popping off, and it feels like Cloud 9s like, well, and even he has said this. Top doesn't matter, <laughs> so he's like, he acknowledges that like his lane is the least important, and I don't think he's happy about it. Yeah. And there's times where he's like, God damn it, guys, play around me a little bit more. But I, I think at the end of the day, it's it's a conscious choice a little bit. I'm going to make it a bit harder because this is the number one team that you're looking at. So if if one area is fine and other areas are playing out of their mind, then that is you know the point to it. Is that the point to attack? Or do you try and hold down Berserker? Do you say, oh, we're going to take the EG approach and like we're going to, instead of throwing everything mid lane at JoJo, we're going to throw everything at Berserker and just try and, you know, mid rum down there super early on. We're gonna have four-person tower dive ganks on Cloud Nine. Like, what is your strategy to go at Cloud Nine? Because it's not an in interesting conversation to be like, nah, they're just the best. Okay, I'll, I'll give you this. There's there's <laughs> two ways, right? You can try and hold down a team's strengths, which we were saying is yeah, yeah. or you can try and attack a team's weaknesses, yeah. which is kind of being suggested as fudge. I actually think MNS is maybe the most 
volatile and exploitable. Like when things go bad mid, it feels like it can also spill over to bot. Whereas like if you kind of slam fudge, even like it doesn't stop the berserker problem. Yeah, he's still top. So, yeah, he's still top. <laughs> he's still up there. You know, it's like great summit. Maybe at twenty minutes in, your cannon will be fed enough to like one shot berserker, which is is, is a worse solution to me. C9 has been on, or team, I forget who said it, but they said they said something that, like, it feels like every time in the first 10 minutes of the game, some 2v2 skirmish happens, bot that expands, and then Berserker walks away with a triple kill, and the game's over. So he said that on cast. Yeah, that's what that happens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, I feel like you're opting into that scenario if you're like, let's just try and camp bot, and I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. I, I think you actually probably attack mid. But MNS is really good, so it's not easy, but it feels like. Yeah. You, you can counterpick that him is, and something weird can happen. That is the difficulty with Cloud9 is they don't have, I think, a, a clear... There's not a clear way to attack them. Their drafts are pretty flexible. They have strong players across the board. Like this, That's why they are the number one team right now, right? Is that they are really good. Um, and, and to the Fudge stuff, I think that... Yeah, Fudge has not had the kind of split that he had last split where it's like you said, he was clear number one best. I think he's still been solid. He's still been a really good player. Not an easy point to attack. But he just hasn't had those big moments, right? He hasn't had those games where he's just completely taking over like he did in spring. So I think that's kind of what has been missing, you know, for summer. And I'm not sure, you know, what he would attribute that to. Um, but he just hasn't had that that same kind of level of dominance. I would also say this is, is absolutely true for MS. I feel like MS has not had that same level of dominance that he had in spring. Um, that's why I think Cloud9 has had a bit more of like a muted split. I feel like they have not looked as good as they did in spring. Berserker, of course, is still doing really amazing. I think their bot lane is solid. They're not dominating the laning phase, but it does feel that this is just like the best 5v5 team in the league, right? And that is kind of really what I attribute a lot of their success to, is they're all really solid individuals, but they coordinate for team fights better than any other team does in our league, right? They seem to be of one mind when they go for these 5v5s. They really know how to create space for Berserker, and Berserker, I think, better than any other AD carry in the league. When he is given that space, he sees his moment, like he sees his window to be able to take over a game and to be able to change a team fight in a way that not a lot of other players can. And that is what is so exciting about watching him in these 5v5s and what who he was talking about in that cast is that it's just like there's that berserker moment and you always kind of have to watch out for it where you give him the tiniest bit of space, his, his, his team is going to create some space for him and he's not just going to play it slow and play it front to back. He'll find that moment to flash in on your carry and trade and get that kill and like really change a game. So I think that is the difficulty of trying to attack Cloud9 and it's like that's why I think you know Golden Guardians has lost to them so many series in a row right from MSI and multiple times in um, in spring playoffs and you know even further back and that is why it's going to be really tough to I think you know really to, to solve for them because everyone I think has to has, have a great performance to take down Cloud9 in a best of five. Yeah I think the one thing I'd say that was also different from spring it's not just the solo laners are playing slightly worse which i agree with but blabber's playing a lot better actually i think or not better but better meta for him like for example most play champs in spring wukong maokai elise vi most play champ this this split kindred and it's just like oh whenever whenever blabber can play a real carry it's night and day um not like it's bad before but it's just like you remember why this guy's the mvp so i think didn't have an MVP split out of him last split, just partially meta reasons, partially how they were playing the game. This time, I think, easy step up from him. Did you know he's 13-0 and zero on Maokai? Oh, my God. <laughs> Real uh, carry, Mark. I, I love this pasta. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually so good because it keeps extending. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, he, he definitely is playing super well. And it's he is playing well, and Cloud9 is succeeding more when he's playing towards Berserker and towards bottom. As frustrated as, as Fudge is, guess what? The game that they lost this week 
was the game to Team Liquid where MNS and Blabber both went topside. MNS went up there with the Lissandra. They couldn't dive the Kennen. Kennen ultimate stuns Fudge, so he can't get in range, and so it's only Lissandra damage. That's not enough damage to solo the Kennen under tower. Then he dies, flashes out, and he's like, "We just lost so much tempo in the game by having you know our mid run spent up topside. That now you're gonna lose stuff on the other side of the map, and uh oh, now the game's gonna get out of our reach. It doesn't matter how." well Berserker played in that game on the Ash, which he's making Ash look like it has mobility or something, you know, with, with his positioning in these team fights and, and it's playing it really well, but they, they, they couldn't pull back. So, yeah, I mean, he's playing well and he's playing better to bottom side. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. More important lane. Yep, uh, hard to debate that one. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for us for now. And remember, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button on YouTube so you don't miss an episode of Dive. You can also check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor.fm, and make sure you keep sending those questions on Twitter. Hashtag the Dive, LOL. LCS regular season split concludes Wednesday. Wait, well, it doesn't actually conclude on Wednesday. I was just reading the, the script. Conclusion uh, starts the, the, the start of the conclusion, the beginning dumb, dumb of the end. Here. He reads. Yeah. Since we finished on Wednesday? It's, well, it's the last week and the last week starts on Wednesday with Immortals facing EG in game number one we'll see you there